Christian Parenting. This is the Full Spectrum Parent Podcast, the only faith-based autism podcast on the web. Here are your hosts, Greg and Jessica Hoban. Well, welcome to the Full Spectrum Parent Podcast. I am your host, Greg Hurlbut. And this is Jessica Hurlbut. And each week we want to offer special needs parents a dose of help, a dose of humor, and a dose of hope. I understand how much of a challenge it can be to keep your family focused on Jesus during the Christmas season. Even with the best intentions, the hustle and bustle of the season can get the best of us. It can feel like a challenge to find great resources that point kids to Jesus, not presents, during this season. Christian Parenting is releasing a new Advent devotional made just for kids to help with this. Jesus, Light of the World, will help kids understand how Jesus was the light that came to heal and save a hurting and broken world. Each day of Jesus, Light of the World includes a daily scripture, a devotional to help kids develop a deep and personal relationship with Jesus, engaging activities, a prayer, and a go activity that encourages kids to take ownership of their faith in their everyday lives. This is a great tool to help you teach your children the true meaning and significance of the Christmas season. For more information and to get your copy, head over to cpgive.org. That's cpgive.org. So today is episode 68, and the title is Navigating Sensory Processing Disorder. So if you've never heard this term before, actually our daughter who has autism, she was first diagnosed with sensory processing before she was diagnosed with autism. And a lot of times they can go hand in hand, but just a kind of a basic definition is a condition where the brain has trouble receiving and responding to information that comes through senses, right? So some people or some kids are oversensitive, mm-hmm. right? So that's called hypersensitive. And other times they can be undersensitive, which is hyper hyposensitive. Um, so obviously you learned when you were a kid in school kind of what your senses were. You know, you have sight, you have hearing, touch, smell, taste. But a couple others that you don't think about a lot is balance <laughs> and body awareness. And sometimes senses, sensory processing issues can cause your kids to like flap or rock or cover their ears. Um, a lot of times they're doing this because they're overstimulated and they're trying to calm themselves down. That's where a lot of times the word you hear too, stimming is. It's like the, the kids are like receiving too much input yeah. and they're trying to calm themselves down before they get to a meltdown, which can also happen when they're overstimulated. Um and Or other times you can just see kids, like maybe they're really sensitive to loud noises. They tend to go and hide and want to be in a quiet place. Um, so kids respond differently, but it's just kind of they're not processing these senses like, you know, typical people do. Yeah, I remember when our, you know, when Mara was first diagnosed and the doctor was just beginning to explain to us just some of the things that were different about her. Because, you know, she was always doing these kind of odd out of the norm, repetitive behaviors. And so for with Mara, what we began to realize is that there was a lot of things with her that she was hyposensitive, meaning she didn't feel things Mm -hmm. the same way you and I normally would. So she would stand on her tippy toes all the time, actually. For years and years, we would actually try to stop her to do that. Now, at first we were like, well, is this a big deal? Now, this is the thing with stimming, right? Things that your autistic children are maybe doing over and over. Sometimes they're very harmless, right? It's like, oh, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. It might be annoying. It might become kind of frustrating in your life, but it's not necessarily a big deal. But then there are things that if they do them repetitively, it can actually be bad for their bodies. It can harm them. And I remember the doctor actually saying, oh, if she stands on her tippy toes 
for too much or too long, too much in her development years, like it's going to actually mess up her feet and how she walks. Mm-hmm. And so we would actually go over and like push down on her shoulders <laughs> to try to get her to, you know, go flat footed. And he was telling us, well, the reason is she's putting more pressure on the toes of her feet on the kind of that front ball of her foot just so that she can feel her feet differently. Or we would catch her. One of the stimming things that she did was always jumping up and down. Mm-hmm. I mean, just mm-hmm. seemed like she would stand and jump in place for no reason at all. And the doctor was just saying, well, most likely she just, she feels it. When she jumps, she feels the impact and she likes it. So she's stimulating herself in a way that she enjoys and it's repetitive. Now it's out of the norm for us and our normal uh, minds. But for her, this were things that she was Mm -hmm. doing because she was hyposensitive. But then another thing with Mara that's not hyposensitive, where she's hypersensitive is noise. (laughs) Yeah, I just want to point out, you can have a child... That is hypersensitive, like oversensitive to noise or something else, and then be hyposensitive to a different sense. So if that makes sense. So it's not like they're one or the other. They could be both depending on, you know, the sense. Right. So in some ways it seemed like Mara was hyposensitive or undersensitive to certain touch or feeling. Body awareness. You know, body awareness. Um, But then when it came to noise, now it's funny because... She's Literally, the she's human. like the loudest person you've <laughs> ever met. There's never a quiet moment around Mara. Her mouth is always moving. She's always reciting or scripting movies. She's just talking nonstop or making noises. But if you begin to make any noises that are even slightly loud on the scale of loudness for her, <laughs> it makes her upset, like immediately angry. Right. We have to talk in like whispering voices in the car when she's with us. Just so that she doesn't think everybody's angry. She'll just start going around the car. Emma, angry? We're like, no, Emma's just talking. Dad, angry? And I'm like trying to tell her Emma's not angry. And then she thinks I'm angry just because I'm talking (laughs) in a normal tone. But for her, she's hypersensitive to noise. So these are some of the things that you, you know, you need to kind of start to understand about your children, especially on the spectrum. What are the sensory processing things that are happening in their mind and in their body? So some of the signs of sensory processing disorder. We've got six that we're going to list for you today are these. So first one is this, dislikes bright lights. Um, You know, sometimes you can just have a sensitivity to how much light is going on. I mean, I know that even for us as normal people, right? You wake up in the morning, you got your lights on. It's It it can be like that for a child all the time, Mm -hmm. right? You're like, oh, it's bright in here. And that feeling could be one of the things that's causing your children um, you know, to not be able to to kind of walk through normal situations like you and I would. Number two is covering ears. Again, That's noise. A huge one, yeah. Um, actually, with some of our friends that have a child with autism wears headphones. Well, it looks yep. like headphones. It's not noise canceling. Noise canceling headphones. headphones all the time. You'd think she's just listening to music. It's not. She just, you know, doesn't like the normal noise of life, and it really helps her stay calm with these headphones. Uh, Number three, a sign of sensory processing disorder, moves away from people. So sometimes (laughs) um, it's this kind of sense of just the crowdedness of a room, right? Too many people. It doesn't always have to do with noise. It could just be with the presence of people. Um, Like Mara is kind of funny. You know, we were saying she's kind of hyposensitive when it comes to touch or the feeling of her body. But that's when she's initiating it. It's when she's in control. When but she, if somebody yeah. else is touching her, she's... If you go to touch her, though, yeah. she immediately doesn't want you to. She's mm-hmm. going to push you away. 
Uh, very rarely. I mean, it's just so rare that I get an actual hug out of her. Like, you know, we've kind of coached her into like a hug now, but it just says she has to be in the best mood. And she really just kind of shrinks in slow to you with her shoulders <laughs> and lets you hug her. But um, four, another sign would be dislikes having hair or nails cut. Oh, this I just, is Jakey. Yeah, oh so God. I actually, this was me tonight. This was part of the reason why I was like, this is what we're talking about today. Because, <laughs> I mean, cutting, first of all, cutting my son's hair, Jacob's hair, for years, if, if neighbors heard... So I have to do it. There's no way I could bring him to a barber shop. He's never been to a hairdresser. He's never been a hairdresser. Yeah. And and for years, if neighbors were to like walk by our house when this was happening, you would think I was stabbing him in the chest with a knife. Like the most mm. high squealing. I, and there's times where I've had to, I mean, it take it would take hours. Hours. I mean, I'm just like giving him a buzz cut. And then the haircut wouldn't be very good. Oh, stop. How do you expect <laughs> me to be good? Um, he's gotten better over the years, but it takes a lot of patience. And nails, it's the same thing. It's like you would think I'm cutting his fingertips off. That's how much he screams. But, I mean, you know, we've got little trips, tricks and tactics that we use now. We'll share a little bit of those and, later. And honestly, a lot of it was just persistence with those yeah, kinds of things. Yeah, like you gets, can't just let him, no. you know, grow his hair forever and ever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he would have long, straight hair. It would just be really funny. He could uh, maybe be in the Guinness Book of World Records for the and longest his nails. nails. But his nails used to get so dirty. <laughs> it was just gross, right? So these are things you kind of fight through. But, you know, they have sensory issues. Number five, a sign of sensory processing disorder could be difficulty walking on uneven surfaces. This is also Jacob. Jacob, if you didn't know that there was maybe something going on with him and his just processing, you would think he might be a small drunk child all the time. And I'm sorry, don't judge me as a parent for saying that. We don't even drink. He doesn't drink. But he is so clumsy. He's like all over the place. He can't, if you were to like, hey, walk in a straight line, sir, to tell us you aren't drinking, he could never walk no. in a straight line. He's all over. And and they he actually has got a lot of his stuff in school just working on his kind of motor skills and being able to process mm-hmm. his body weight Physical and therapy. how to sit down and stand up without just falling over all the time. But he's he generally just looks like a very clumsy <laughs> person. It usually makes us laugh, unfortunately. Um, he doesn't seem to mind. But no. yeah, so difficulty walking on uneven surfaces. It just means they don't have the feeling always in their body to allow them to understand right. balance and where is everything else in the world, right? He bumps into things because the spatial recognition isn't there and all those kinds of things. So last one that we're listening today, signs of sensory processing, processing disorder, is resists touch, which we just shared about with Mara. They might not like you touching them. They don't want, you know, things rubbing against them. Clothing. Clothing. Actually, I, I don't know if we even still do this. Jessica would know because I don't buy clothes or pick clothes out <laughs> at all ever. But we were cutting the tags off everything, which even I know a lot of regular kids, typical kids. Yeah, would. no, we don't do that anymore. They've actually gotten better with that. Yeah, Jacob could not, for years, could not have a tag on anything. <laughs> um, honestly, I remember we would, sometimes he would wear his clothes inside out because the tag would still just be enough there that it would bother him. Him. And Mara made me cut off every tag off every stuffed animal she ever owned. I was like, they're not even touching you, but they had to Yeah, <laughs> so there's just things that, you know, certain touch, certain way things feel, yeah. um, textures. Those are signs of sensory processing disorder. 
I know that even as kids with typical kids, you know, we kind of deal with certain things like that along the road. But typical kids can usually just get over some of those kinds of things easier. And that's the right. difference, right? Like, oh, yeah, sure, your kid might not like loud noises, but it isn't going to create this giant meltdown in their life. Or, or they don't like the crust of their bread and their sandwich, right? right? But it's not that, have a sensory It doesn't disorder. mean they have a sensory <laughs> right. disorder. But these are kinds of the signs that would point to, oh, coupling this with maybe an autism diagnosis or a, an uh, autism spectrum diagnosis of some sort, right. you could begin to see where sensory processing really does matter in their life. And for us, it actually is just a tactic for helping to mm-hmm. walk them through life in a more normal fashion. Because if you don't know what sets them off with sensory processing things, you end up doing it all the time inadvertently. Mm-hmm. And then they're just kind of miserable. you end up being miserable. And so we want to kind of give you some tips and tricks. Right. Yeah, and that list isn't all exclusive, right? There could be other signs too, but those are just some of the ones that um, came to our mind. So some tips and tricks. Um, the first one, and this is big for our daughter Mara, but is to have a quiet space for your child to be alone. Um, I mean, I think we've mentioned on other episodes before our daughter is like, like wants to hibernate in her room. Yeah, she pretty much lives in her room. <laughs> she she and it's not just because she doesn't want to be around say me or something, it's the loud, it's the volume of our house because we have five children, you know, seven of us living in one house. And then I think also the unpredictability of like someone could touch me, someone could be loud all of a sudden, someone could take my food, someone whatever. And so um for a long time though, you know, just being honest, I really struggled with this, um, like her being in her room all the time. And I felt very guilty about it. And I, you know, wanted to like always pull her out of her room and try to get her to do something, you know, with the kids. And I'm not saying never do that. But I think a lot of it was less about what she needed and more about like mom guilt. Like, And yeah. I don't know if anybody has ever, you know, been in this place, but you just like feel bad. Like this isn't the way it should be. Like she should be eating dinner with us or she should be playing with her siblings. But over time, what I've come to realize is that is, it's really about me. <laughs> like I want my family to all be together. And I mean, I think God probably does too. But at the same time, I have to realize like, She's trying to take care of her needs. And her needs are, I can't deal with loud noises, mom. Or like, she can't tell me this, but like, this is how she's coping with it. So one of the things we've done too, just along this lines, obviously she has a safe, quiet space in her room. But we also have um, both of our parents and my in-laws, they kind of have their own like she has her own room when we go there. Uh, I don't mean, it's not like a bedroom, but it's like when we're visiting. Yeah. When, when we visit, Mara literally walks in my <laughs> parents' house or she walks in Jessica's parents' house and immediately goes to the room that she knows she's allowed to go in. <laughs> she closes room. the door. All the other kids in our family and our extended family know, like, hey, let's let Mara be because when Mara's happy, everybody's happy. <laughs> and and so you just kind of have this boundary where you created a quiet space mm-hmm. for them. And so if a child of yours has hypersensitivity, a quiet space yeah. can be the world. You know, we when we moved to the home we're in now, um, you know, we knew we didn't have enough bedrooms and I built an addition since then, but we actually put a, a fourth bedroom in immediately. We had split this larger bedroom up and we knew because Mara had to have her own space. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now in these years, she's, so she's on our second floor and she's right over top of our 
living room and just kind of the way the floor is it's super like you can hear everything that goes on in her room and like we said she needs everybody else to be quiet but she's super loud <laughs> like people come over to our house and is we'll sit okay? we'll be sitting talking and we don't even hear anymore but she'll be like jumping stomping on the floor or making her noises and it, to us it's like the the background noise of our life <laughs> that we don't know is really there but actually i have a dream of putting her we we have a, a basement that could be refinished mm-hmm. and maybe giving her a space where now not only could it be quiet for her but she could be quiet for us <laughs> instead of over our heads she'd be under our feet right. um in a way and so creating a quiet space for your child is a really helpful thing yeah that's good so another just tip we have is to follow a routine um, you know, a lot of times if you hear a lot, much about autism, the idea of a schedule, sometimes a visual schedule and a routine is huge. And kind of like what Greg was saying is like if they know what's coming next, it helps them stay calm, you know, and just be aware of, OK, you know, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. And so we try to just keep things pretty routine. I mean, even just simple things like um, the worker that works with Mara and when Jake had a worker or two that takes them out into the community they would just go to predictable places, you know, and kind of do the same thing each time. Now, to me or you, we'd think, oh, my gosh, that must get really boring. You always want to go to Pizza Hut or you always want to go to the Nature Center. But the point is, Mara knows those places are safe. They're not going to be super loud. It's not going to be a lot of people like and she knows what to expect. So routine is a is a really big deal. So the third tip that we have, and I was just using this tonight with my son, Jake, is the idea. And I feel like we've used this before for other tips, but it's a lifesaver for me, is first then. So all that just means is, so I'm trying to cut Jake's toenails and fingernails. Now it's hard enough to get his fingernails. For some reason, toenails just up it another level. (laughs) I don't don't think he can see it as good. And so it freaks him out. He wants to see like so closely what you're about to do. And yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) this, what I was telling him upstairs just about an hour ago, I kept saying, first toenails, then fingernails, then Halloween candy. <laughs> so I am not above bribing bribing your kids. Um, so, but it helped him get through it. So we would literally count down each nail. So I'd be like, one, oh, you only have nine left. Two, you know, and he'd be like, eh, and wincing in between each one. But it helps him get through it because he knows. And the whole time he was like, candy, candy, you know, basket of candy, you know. And I'd be like, no, we're not done yet. Helps him get through those hard things that he's still struggling struggling with with it sensory wise um but kind of the first then is just a it's a game changer for us yeah i mean even we've used it in restaurants and yeah. in waiting in line like mara doesn't like to wait in line and so you just you use this first then because it's something they've taught them in school it's something they recognize as understanding order right so they they struggle to understand the order of things the world can feel chaotic to them and structure is really healthy so when you're giving them a structure they can understand it just helps them Mm -hmm. to get through those sensitive moments where their senses are out of whack or they're frustrated or they're not understanding or everything's loud and you can simply say hey first we have to do this then we have Mm -hmm. to do that and then you might get what you want or first we do this then you're going to get what you want and it is a lifesaver for us in a million different ways and so uh, we would just suggest starting to teach your children that you know I think even with both our kids they first learned that kind of language that kind of order language with pecs if you don't you don't know we've talked about it in episodes in the past picture exchange before our kids were verbal which was not till they were 
um, six to eight years old, were they verbal at all? They used picture exchange. They would understand by picture form, right? This is a picture of an apple, so they could say, I want an apple by by picking the apple picture. It was a very simple thing. Mm -hmm. Most ABA programs or um, you know programs in school that were going to special needs understand picture exchange. So, yes, number four. Uh, so this one was also a game changer for us for our daughter Mara. It was a sensory swing. So I don't know if, if you're not familiar. We're not talking about, about like a swing on a swing set, although, you know, that might be helpful, the, the movement of swinging. But because Mara really struggled, like we said, with this body awareness and she was kind of hyposensitive, she was always seeking out some kind of movement. And so I think it was before she was even diagnosed, right? I think she had a diagnosis of sensory processing disorder, but she didn't even have her autism diagnosis. So she was like three, two and a half, where um, one of the early intervention workers said, you know, would you like me to bring you this sensory swing? So it's kind of like this, what is it made out of? A nylon material? Yeah, it like was really stretchy. like spandex-ish yeah, spandex. type material. And yeah. They have all kinds of better stuff now this was back years ago um but you know it's this huge kind of almost looked like a blanket and we hung it up and she kind of got in it like a cocoon so she felt safe she felt kind of like alone um which she enjoyed and then we pushed, pushed her. her like <laughs> non-stop sometimes yeah so we hung it in her room and you have to do a good job of doing that of course hanging it and securing it right and then we would she would get in it because of the way material was it would kind of wrap her up pretty mm -hmm. easily and we'd push her and it really worked you know help calm um, her down sometimes yeah when she was upset and and that's where you know even the the material used was specific for mm -hmm. touch for sensitive kids um, and that was, we used a number of things that were just like the swing. We used a weighted blanket for years yeah, for her to sleep. That. We used a big heavy weight. And even now, I think um, her sleep, she still loves these giant comforters, right? Yeah, it's not like specifically weighted, but she wants big comforter blankets. And that weight, I think, helps her. So, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you're just learning what are the sensory things that maybe help my child. And then there's things out there. You'd be surprised, you know. I mean, actually, there was a while where they had Mara when we were trying to get her to learn to walk on her feet. Like I was telling you how she walked on her tippy toes all the time. We put a weighted vest on her mm -hmm. and it's supposed to literally weigh them down. Like, oh, they have to feel more grounded. So they put this heavy vest and she, it was, it looked funny, right? Like literally she's wearing <laughs> this weird vest and it has these blocks that are sewn into it that are heavy. And, you know, she'd walk around the house, house with that, just trying to get them to, you know, feel in a certain way. And so, be, you'd be surprised what people have come up with to help with your kids' sensory disorders. Right. A swing, a weighted blanket. Those are just ones that we found um, for our kids specifically. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you could just Google and find all sorts of other ones. Yeah, so the last tip we have is remove triggers or items that your kids obsess over. So kind of like, you know, one thing with our daughter Mara was she got obsessed with flicking the lights on and off. And we might have talked about this in another episode, but we finally got to the place where we were like, she's not sleeping. And we just had to take the light bulbs out. <laughs> yeah. Which again, you're like another mom guilt thing. You're like, no, she's in the dark and she's alone in her bed. Like, but... <laughs> 
it, all the time I had to keep saying to myself, what does she need, right? Yeah, like, what's best for her? It's not about me. Like, I know there's certain things that I want, but what does she need right now? And, like, she has a light bulbs now. She's totally fine. Like, so sometimes you go through these seasons and you think, oh, my gosh, this is going to be forever. It's not always forever. And it's just in those times where they're hypersensitive or hyposensitive that you just got to say, okay, what can I remove here? How can I make this easier for them? How can I accommodate, you know, the noise or how can I take this away that they're obsessing over? Um, so yeah, just remove triggers, um, or items that they might obsess over. Yeah. And that's where we, we were saying before things like the noise canceling headphones. Now, even for our daughter, that probably could have been a really helpful thing. We didn't really want her to live her whole life with headphones on. So we tried to push her limits at times so that she would get used to noise. Now, one of them for us is we still, if we go on a road trip at all, she's got headphones on. She's listening to music because. Right, regular headphones. It puts her into a different place where she's not bothered by the kids arguing who's touching who and all the nonsense that happens in a car (laughs) when you go on a road trip. Um, So removing those triggers is super helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so one story, we want to kind of move to our dose of humor today. Day. One story that we were thinking of, you know, we had lots of stories of stimulation or overstimulation, <laughs> but a lot of the stuff that we've done is so generic, it was hard for us to even think of the specific moments where maybe something was happening because we did all sorts of crazy things for stimulation. We would, I would swing Mara all the time. When Mara was upset, there was a, there was years when she was smaller, I can't swing her now, she's 14, <laughs> where I would just grab her by the hands and I'd swing her in a circle and immediately that stimulation like reset her. would Ooh. reset her, <laughs> like literally. So there were things that we would do all the time. Well, one of the, the stories of just her being overstimulated, and, and again, we always make a joke with these stories. We laugh now. They're not we always laughing funny <laughs> then. Um, but one of the, years ago, and actually I say years ago because now we have this rule that I say, which is we will never go to a fireworks show again. But we we will, Mara wanted to go to the fireworks show. Now, I don't know about fireworks show for you guys or your experiences, but for us in our town, we did there's always this one large fireworks show, usually the night before July 4th, actually. And I'm talking uh, you know, thousands of people at this one location. Mm-hmm cars packed in every parking space for like miles around in this in our old mall parking lot and and you know they would have they at that this time now when new york state finally made fireworks legal they had these big tents set up selling fireworks in the parking lot which added to the hysteria so now you've got (laughs) not only the official fireworks show but you've got every you know joe blow that's buying them and shooting them near their cars and near people i mean it was craziness and my brother was up visiting from Ohio and his family was there and we were all outside the car and, and we usually let we were just letting the kids kind of do their thing. Mara was actually in the car. Like just giving her the space and the to alone give her time the space again. Space that she needed. Now the fireworks hadn't started yet and she was beginning to get frustrated right, by the fact that the fireworks had not started <laughs> and she wants fireworks. And so she's probably said fireworks ten thousand times. <laughs> and she's in the car and some of the kids were even climbing on the car. Sometimes they'd sit on the roof of our our SUV and we're all talking. I remember I'm talking with my brother and I could, I, we knew Mara was getting more and more agitated in the car. The, the amount of stuff happening. She had wanted to go to the tent at one point that was selling fireworks because she thought it was an actual tent for camping. And oh, she thought it was a tent for the circus. She kept saying, circus, okay, circus. circus. Yeah. And I'm like, Either way, it was not the tent she assumed <laughs> it was. She was upset about that. So she was super overstimulated. And we were just trying to ignore her because that's honestly 
what a good tactic is at times when yeah. your child is just getting too overstimulated. Like, don't make it worse. Don't try to make them stop. That never works. Or yell at her. Yell or work. any of that stuff. And so I'm talking to my brother. I remember me and Tim were talking away. And all of a sudden, I look over just in time to see that she has slinked down in the front seat of the car. And she's super mad at this point, And she's yelling. And she starts kicking. And she smashes the windshield of our SUV. Like the entire The entire windshield. Now, it doesn't break where it falls apart, but the whole thing is now shattered. And I just looked at it, and then I looked back at my brother, and I just kept talking. And I could tell. I'm telling... <laughs> I was telling Tim a story or something talking. was going on, but it like I, I saw it happen, but I just was like, okay, whatever. I don't even know. Like, my own processing disorder was coming in at that my moment. Because, because at that point, like, you know, you've, you've just dealt with Mara doing so many crazy things in her life. It was just like, okay, fine. She broke a windshield. And it probably took me two seconds to remember. Luckily, I have full glass coverage. And and they covered it. it was I, actually I told the story. truth. I called the insurance company and I said, so we had our windshield was shattered. They're like, were you in an accident? I said, no. They said, what happened? I said, well, we are at the fireworks. No, we said our kids Kids did it. That's what. And then yeah. they were like, well, would they throw a ball or something? Like, no, my daughter <laughs> kicked it. I told them. And the lady was just autism. like, oh, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, I remember my brother was like, uh, your windshield's broken. I'm like, yeah, I know. Let's just, I'm not even going to go <laughs> there in my mind on. right now. But, you know, so sometimes there are these crazy moments. Overstimulation can produce some difficult things. Um, but listen, take heart. We have been there in mm-hmm. so many situations, so many times. We get it. So we want to move into our dose of hope to end today. Yeah. So I was just thinking about the dose of hope. And one of the things that came to me as we thought of all these tips and tricks to deal with their sensory overloads was that sometimes they don't work. <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. And there just comes to a place, there's been so many times in our lives where we've come to this place of desperation and we do what we probably should have done initially, and that is pray. Right. (laughs) You know, obviously we're a Christian podcast, we're pastors, and unfortunately prayer seems to be our last resort sometimes. And But there is just, we have so many miracle stories where we just got to this place of like throwing our hands up in the air saying, this isn't working and we don't know what to do or we don't know the answers when it came to our kids on the spectrum. And one of those times in particular, my daughter Mara um, was what, maybe five? She was in her, yeah, five, six, something like that. And um, she, you know, that was just a rough time for her anyway. But she started doing this thing where she'd wake up in the middle of the night. And it wasn't like nightmares or anything. She just started screaming. And I might run in there. Is everything okay? She's totally fine. You'd think she's hurt because she's like Like blood blood curdling. Like like from a horror movie, screaming. And uh, so that happened one night, and then it happened the next night, and then it happened the next night, and it be- somehow became like this clockwork thing. Like she'd wake up right around the same time. Yeah, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And it's not like screaming for five minutes. We're talking like hours sometimes. So we're concerned for her, but we're also losing our minds. There was literally a night. Like I remember the night that you lost Where I mind. was <laughs> lay, I was like sitting outside her door on the ground in a dark hallway and listening to my daughter scream like someone was killing her. That's what it sounded like. I mean, it. I don't even know how to describe it. 
it was so crazy. It was so horrible. And we were at our wits end. And, and like she said, you know, we've, we've prayed about lots of things before, but sometimes, you know, it takes this place of desperation. Mm-hmm. Remember, okay, at this point, we have no tips, no tricks, no doctor, <laughs> nobody no can answers. tell us how to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to just pray. We have to pray. And we, I remember we went to our, our, our leaders one night and I think I was, you know, I probably looked crazy going to work, right? Like, Oh, are you okay? No, I haven't slept in, I think it was close to three months where it became this regular nightly thing. And our, our leaders at our church and one lady in particular, she said, let's just all begin to pray. And so they actually got people in our church to sign up. It was so amazing. For seven days in a row, 24 hours a day. People said, we will wake up at 2 a.m. and pray from 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. And people signed up on this list and they prayed. And this is no joke. The very first night they began to pray, she stopped. Mm-hmm. She stopped. There's no explanation for it. There's no, you know, oh, we finally did something that that untriggered her blood-curdling screams. We prayed, and it was a miracle. And so our encouragement to you is remember mm-hmm. that in the midst of all of our practical advice, the best advice we can ever give to you is lean into Jesus, and lean ask, into God. Exactly. And ask other people to pray too, right? Like, so maybe you don't have people that can cover 24-hour time periods for you. I mean, we're over the top blessed yes. with some of the relationships in our life. But I think sometimes we just, we're so, we try to do this on our own, right? And we've talked about this before. But the Bible says where two or more are gathered, he's in their midst. So like... Ask a couple other people, ask a good friend, ask your, you know, parents or something to pray, um, to like stand with you, especially if you're praying for something in particular. Because sometimes I think we just pray really general prayers, like help her, bless her God, instead of being like, you know, no, like there's, this is the issue. Whatever this thing, right? Like like the potty training with our daughter, like she, we could not get her potty trained and we had three babies in diapers and her. And so it's like. We are being very specific in our prayers. God, you have to do something here because we don't know how to do this. Um, Matthew nineteen twenty six says, "But God, or but Jesus said unto them, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible." And the truth is that that's what it comes down to. Some things feel impossible when it comes to our kids on the spectrum, and in the world standards, they might be. But we don't live by the world's standards. We have a God who loves us, who loves our kids, and he wants more for their life, even more than what we want, which is so hard to even fathom because we think about how much we love our kids. But God loves them more. They're his kids. (laughs) Like, they're on loan to us. So I just want to encourage you in that. Even last week, we were actually with some great pastors that we had met um, from Austin, and we were sharing some of our story with them. And particularly just along the lines that we believe God heals, but what do you do mm-hmm. when you pray for 14 years for your child and your two children who have neurological disorders and nothing changes in the realm of what you would hope to see, which is complete healing, just this wake-up call one morning where Mara is, her brain has been reorganized and now she is who she was always meant to be. And not seeing that, how do you deal with prayer when you mm-hmm. pray for things and you see prayer work in some ways, but then you pray for things and you don't see it pray, you know, work in other ways. And living in that tension is hard, and I, I don't even have a good answer for right. you. But I'm reminded of this scripture, and we'll probably end with this from Philippians 4. And I love this. It's just a reminder to me. It's a reminder to all of us. It says this, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for what he has done. Then 
you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Listen, that is a mm-hmm. remedy. That is a, a a tool for us right there. Don't pray. Don't worry. Pray. Tell him what you need. Thank him for what he's done. And then God's peace will come and be in your heart. Right. So we're going to end with a prayer as we always do. May God give you the wisdom to be the best parents that you can be. May he give you the grace to love your kids when they fall and when they fail. And may he give you the faith to trust an unknown future to a known God. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Full Spectrum Parent Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review.